Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you, and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Ben. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Molly, and... And we are Montanans, so it's like we're cousins, <laughs> friends. Uh, I, we um, led and, and we planted and led a church in Bozeman, Montana uh, five years ago, and, and just now in December turned our church over to new leadership so I could serve with the district. And, and my role is getting to do this. It's getting to serve and support our pastors as they serve, care for, and disciple their people, and also help them engage in what the world looks like outside their church. What does it look like to serve the people of, of Idaho Falls? There's some incredible things happening around the world through the Foursquare Gospel. I'll talk loud until they... I'm back, okay. I might have been holding the microphone too low. There are some incredible things happening around the world through the Foursquare Gospel. We have people moving to the Middle East, learning the language, and leading Muslims to Christ. We have massive house church movements in communist countries. We have a businessman in Guatemala providing shoes for refugees. We have Foursquare pastors in Poland and Germany taking care of Ukrainian orphans. And we have thousands of people being fed and cared for through Foursquare churches. And I want you to know, friends, that what you are doing right here in Idaho Falls is part of that. Thank you for loving your neighbors. Thank you for walking with your coworkers. Thank you for being good classmates. Thank you for loving the poor and the lonely and the hurting in Idaho Falls. And you need to know that when you gather in this space, when you come together and you open the word and you raise your voices together in unison, you are pushing back darkness and advancing the kingdom of God. Thank you for doing what you do right here in Idaho Falls because you are part of a much larger story of what God is doing around the world. Well, this morning we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to talk about what it means to have a cruciform calling. The word cruciform means in the shape of the cross. What does it look like for our lives, our whole lives, to be available, to follow and engage in the unique call that God has on each of our lives. Let's open in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this incredible group of people. God, thank you that we have the capacity and the freedom to gather in your name, to proclaim 
the name of Jesus Christ, to be able to open our Bibles, God. And so this morning, as we do, we ask that our ears would be clear and our hearts would be soft to receive whatever you have for each of us. God, let my words be your words. And let each of us be transformed in whatever way you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 21. So if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, this is the story of what happened after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So this is his disciples carrying on the work that he began. So this is the story of the spread of the good news and the birth of the early church. So here we are in Acts chapter 21, and Paul has been traveling around the Middle East and the Mediterranean for years. He's been planting churches and planting the gospel, and now he's actually on his third missionary journey. So he's going back and he's visiting all of these works that he helped start. So he's bringing encouragement, he's bringing healthy leadership, he's bringing good theology, he's on tour. Okay, so he's out visiting, and so here he is in Acts 21, and this is what happens. So he, um, he gets on a boat, and he travels to some places, and then he leaves Ephesus, and let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 21, verse 10. Okay, this is where you get to see how old I am. There we go. Okay, <laughs> this is the only way I can actually read it. Okay, Acts 21, verse 10. After we had, so the we is Luke, okay? So so Luke is actually with the Apostle Paul here in Acts 21. After we had been there and there was Caesarea, a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, The Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. So here Paul is. This prophet comes up to him. And prophets, of course, are trusted people in their culture. And so this prophet comes up to him and he binds his hands and he says, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. And Paul says, bro, I'm prepared. I know what's coming. And what's more important than my safety, my security, my comfort is to do what God's calling me to do. And so Paul again and again is warned, and he's warned through close friends and trusted advisors and these spiritual leaders like this prophet, that if he goes to Jerusalem, it will mean hardship and opposition and even prison. But Paul says, I'm not only willing to go to jail, I'm willing to trade my life for Jesus. Here's what this story exemplifies, a cruciform calling. This idea that Paul wasn't only willing to say, well, God, here's the three options I'm willing to do for you. <laughs> but no, let my, life, let my life be in the shape of the cross. So when we moved into our home in Bozeman, we moved from a 700-square-foot condo to a 2,300-square-foot house. And of course, we had no plans. We went in, we just threw our junk everywhere. 
right? We took one room and I just threw a bunch of kids' clothes in it, right? And then we had this weird little place under the stairs. It was like a Harry Potter closet, right, with like a low ceiling. And I, I made that my home office. Like there was literally no plan for this. And so like, like six months in, we're just looking at this, this, this bomb cyclone that we had created. And we realized like we've got to start, there needs to be some purpose. And we started going room to room and saying, what's this place supposed to be? What, what, is, what is the function of this? What is the purpose of this in the larger story of our home? There's a couple times in scripture where a house is a metaphor for our life. Right? And so, so taking this idea of what happened in my home and, and, and applying it to ourselves, imagine if Jesus came over for tea. Because oftentimes that is what it's like, right? When we sit down in the morning and we open our Bible, we're inviting Jesus into that space. And I say to him, God, I just want to do your will. Like, all of this is yours. and make everything available to you. And he's like, Molly, that's so lovely. Right? Give me a tour of all that you're offering me. And we go on this tour of my home, and, and there's a closed door. And he's like, well, what's in here? And I say, Jesus, that's too painful. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want to give that piece. But let me show you this really pretty room over here. And he's like, well, no, I want to see that other closed door. And it's like, no, Jesus, that's where I, like, keep my secrets. Right? And he's like, well, what about that closed door? I'm like, well, that's where I keep the stuff I don't want to share. Like my time and my hobbies and my money. Right? But essentially what Paul is saying is, like, no, in the shape of the cross, it's all his. Everything I give to him. Right? All of it belongs to him. So here's a couple things that I think this passage points out in, in this idea of a cruciform calling. The first is this. A cruciform calling will be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. It'll open doors that we do not want to open, my friends. Leaving Ephesus was super hard for Paul. So Acts 20 ends with Paul leaving Ephesus, and he had been there for, for seven days, and it says that they grabbed his feet and weeped over him and kissed him. Now, I actually don't think this is because they were, because, like, Paul was, like, this fancy, famous apostle guy. It was because Ephesus was very homey for Paul. It was actually where he had spent as much time as he had anywhere else. It's actually where his most famous mentee was ministering, Timothy. So Paul had actually spent a lot of time at Ephesus. If there was any place in the Mediterranean that was home for Paul, it was Ephesus. So Paul leaving Ephesus was deeply painful. That God would call him out of this place of comfort and home and peace and joy to use him for this great purpose. Secondly, this passage points out that a cruciform calling takes us places that we don't want to go. How many times is Paul begged by friends and co-laborers? We actually have three different distinct points in this passage where people are like, don't go, Paul. Don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be really rough. And he's like, but I got to. Jesus told me I got to go. He knows that Jerusalem is not going to be fun. It's not going to be a vacation. He's not looking forward to it. He knows it's going to be terrible. But his life is so deeply committed to following Jesus 
and the plan he believes God has for his life. So we're originally from Seattle, and we grew up in Seattle, and Seattle is, is home, home for us. And, 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 and then there came this point where we, you know, you, you feel this, like, stirring. <laughs> and this was a long, this took us, like, nine months to come to this point where we, where we really believed that God was calling us to plant a church. We actually spent a lot of time trying to talk God out of that idea, and uh, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. Right? <laughs> right? You know. But when we arrived in Bozeman, okay, I'm a Seattle girl, right? So and I'm kind of an indoor Seattle girl. So when we arrived in Bozeman, it was January 3rd, 2017. It was negative 7 degrees. So we pulled up in our moving truck, and we got out. And I literally, I'm not joking, I had this moment of sheer panic. And my first thought was, we're going to die here. Like, my children are going to freeze to death in this barren wasteland. But we knew that we knew that we knew that we knew that we were supposed to be there. When I say that a cruciform calling will take us places that we don't want to go, I don't simply mean moving to another state to plant a church. I think sometimes having a cruciform calling means taking us across the street to that neighbor that really needs a friend. It's taking us to that coworker that always has a bad attitude because they're lonely and they're depressed. It's taking us down the road to the child who's left home after school every single day. Going places we don't want to go doesn't mean that we have to go far away. Oftentimes, it's right here. And it's taking us to a place where we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone to engage in something that God has for us. In my role now, I travel a lot. It's like, and I travel by plane. It's like my version of like taking the bus to work, right? I get on an airplane and, and when I get on an airplane, like I really like to like put on my headphones and like read a book or watch a show. It's like my little cone of silence. And a few months ago, I had somebody challenge me and, and essentially say, Molly, you, you need to be willing to be aware of what's happening around you in case there's something that God has for you to do. And so I was like, okay. So, I, so, I, so a couple weeks ago, I'm on, the, I'm on the plane. I'm flying back from L.A., and I hear the gal across the aisle say to the, the, ask the stewardess about this layover in Salt Lake City. Delta Airlines has these... 30-minute layovers in Salt Lake City. Now, if you've been in the Salt Lake City airport, you, you fly into one side of the airport, and oftentimes that 30-minute connecting flight is through a tunnel under the jetway. It's, like a, it's like literally like a mile, and you have to go under there up to the other side. It's like these connecting flights are, are made by like some angry person working in this basement cubicle, and they're like taking it out. On innocent travelers. So I hear this lady across the aisle. She's like, I, I, is this even, like, real? Like, am I going to make this connecting flight? And I'm like, I know. I've done this. Like, I'm smarty pants. You know, I'm like, I've done this before. Stick with me. We can do this. She's like, okay. So then, of course, like, we're, you know, we're in the air. And we're getting ready to, to land in Salt Lake. And the pilot comes across the speaker. And he's like, um, we're landing 10 minutes late in Salt Lake, and she, like, she leans like this, like, 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 looks at me, and I'm like, it's going to be okay, 
So we land, and then the pilot comes on again and is like, I'm so sorry, Salt Lake City is under construction. I'm like, it's been under construction for like 56 years. <laughs> so we're, so we're going to have to park on the jetway and shuttle you by bus to the terminal. So we're not even off the plane yet, and my phone buzzes that our next flight is boarding. And she's just like, <gasps> and I'm like, it's going to be okay. So we're like on the little bus, and, and we get into Terminal A, and I look her in the eyes, and I said, we're going to run, okay? She's an older gal. She's like, I just, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, you can do it. So we start running. Like, we're running, <laughs> running. Me and this gal are running. And we get to the escalator because you have to take an escalator down to the tunnel that goes under the jetway. So we're on the escalator, and she's looking at me, and she's, like, breathing hard, and she's sweating. And she starts saying all these terrible things about herself. She's like, I can't do it. I'm old, and I'm fat, and I just, like, I'm not in shape. And I looked at her, and I said, no, you're not. Stop saying that about yourself. You catch your breath, and when we get off this escalator, we're going to start running again. <laughs> she's, she's, she's like, okay. And, like, we literally are making eye contact. She's like, she's like, okay. She's like, okay. If you think I could do it, I could do it. So we get off the escalator, and we start running again. <laughs> this is what I said. I said, we are doing it. Look at us. We're on a glorious adventure. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what, am I a hobbit? <laughs> That gal needed somebody to tell her that she could do it. We live in a world right now where people are so broken, they're so hurting, they're living in crisis mode, and they need believers that can come alongside them and say, you can do it. You can do this. Our world needs believers that are willing to get out of their comfort zone and walk across dangerous lines, even if that's our street, to be able to bring the hope and the love of Jesus to people who desperately need it. I want to finish by, by sharing this with you. You know, we've been following this story in Ukraine and Russia as a movement. You know, we've all, we've all been following this on the news as individuals, but, but Foursquare has been following this because we have Foursquare pastors and churches in Ukraine and in Russia, and one of the things that I have been so incredibly impressed by in watching this was the solidarity that our pastors in Ukraine and Russia have had. So a few weeks ago, they put out this statement and said this, we, the Foursquare churches in Ukraine and Russia, request that our global Foursquare family join us in praying for our two nations in this critical time. We believe Jesus Christ unites us in a gospel of peace that transcends political and national interests. We ask that you stand with us in prayer that God is granting us the blessing, the blessings of peace, prosperity, and a great harvest of souls in the gospel in Russia and Ukraine. And it was a joint statement made by the Foursquare leader in Ukraine and the Foursquare leader in Russia. When, when I read this, you look at this and you're like, that defines a cruciform calling. Right? It's not about national or ideological identity. It's about the kingdom of God. And a kingdom that is characterized by sacrifice, <laughs> by unity, by willing to lay it down to take care of somebody else. And a world that exists above and beyond what we think is the right thing. 
You know, at the end of Acts chapter 1, Paul goes to Jerusalem. And it's no surprise what, what happens. He gets arrested, right? There's actually this angry mob that drags him out of the city and tries to kill him. And then the Roman centurion comes, comes and arrests him, actually saves his life, right? So, so it's Jewish leaders that try and kill Paul. And the, as crazy as that is, it's actually the Roman soldiers who save him and, and put him in prison. And, but the idea of having a cruciform calling is really about being like Jesus in every single way. And here's the thing with the way that God works, and you know this, friends. As God works in me, he's always working through me. So as I invite him into every area, even the pain, even the secrets, even in the things I don't want to share, as I invite him into those things, at the same time, he is working through me in a way that is going to transform the world around me. As he changes me, he changes this. My working definition for this idea that I'm chewing on my he- in my head of cruciform calling is spirit-empowered radical obedience. Spirit-empowered radical obedience. I'm going to pray. It's going to end there and pray. And let's pray like this. As we pray, I would encourage you to, to just sort of consider Consider your life. Consider the different rooms of your life. And let's pray in two ways. Maybe you need to pray that, Lord, this room over here, that door that I keep closed and locked, I'm going to crack it, and I'm going to trust that you're tender, and you're kind, and you're gracious. I'm going to invite you into that space. Or maybe how you want to pray is this idea of leaning in a little bit more. Because we know that a calling is not the same thing as an assignment, right? I've had like 80 assignments in my life, right? I've served in every area of the church except worship because that would bless no one. (sighs) But maybe it's leaning in a little bit more like, God, how are you calling me? How are you inviting me into your story? How are you inviting me to work, God? Where are you calling me to that maybe in the past I didn't want to go, but for you I'm willing, Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you that you invite us to be part of what you do. God, you do not need our help. And sweet Jesus, we know that sometimes we make a mess of it. Lord, but you invite us in. It's part of your love, God, that you are asking us and inviting us to be part of the story that you are writing. You invite us to help you push back darkness and advance your kingdom. God, so this morning as we gather, we pray that you would speak to every one of us. God, I pray for anyone here that that is feeling compelled to maybe crack a door of a closed room in their life, that you would be tender and you would be gracious God, and that you would show them how you can use that closed space for your glory. God, and for those of us who are sort of leaning into this idea of, God, how are you calling me in this season to live in a a newly cruciformed way? God, we pray that you would show us that. In the coming days and weeks, make that very clear. How you are inviting us in a new way to live cruciform and be on mission with you. 
Lord, thank you for Pastor Ben and his healing. And we are believing that he is fully healed. Let that be one more story of this incredible community living for you and then taking that into their homes and their workplaces and their schools. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks again for letting us be a part of your life. We pray that this time has just been life-giving to you. And if it has, if this has been a blessing towards you, there's a few things that you can do in return. If you haven't given already, we would be so grateful for your financial partnership and helping us to continue to empower people with the love and the power of Jesus Christ. So you can give on our website at risechurchid.org. We would also love if you would like or review us on any of our social media platforms. We would also love for you to share it with a friend and maybe tag us. So thank you so much again for letting us be a part of your life. We're praying that Jesus would empower you by his Holy Spirit to bring transformation to the world around you. Love you and God bless.